here with us, and he wants us to lift our voices and worship him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, as this song talks about. We're so glad to have you here. This next song is a song that just talks about who God is. He's our Father. He's our Creator. He's the one that brings us together because there's no one that is even higher than He is, and He deserves all of our praise and all of our glory.
morning. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. We're so glad to see you this morning. If you're a guest today, we'd love to invite you to come and stop by our welcome center in the foyer. We even have a special little treat for you to take with you and find out some more information about our church. Um, if you would just pass those friendship folders at this time. So I have a couple of announcements this morning. First off, we have our 4G Ladies Fellowship, which is next Sunday. It's going to be in the gym. There's also a little standout here. Um, you'll see Kim Kuzawinski standing there with some more information in the foyer. But it'll be a fun time for women to come out and have some fellowship and have 4G. If you want to know what that means, then come or look in your courier. Anyways, we also have VVS coming up. This is an exciting time of year for us at the church. This is our one week that we can reach out to the community, bring in as many kiddos as we can to share the gospel of Christ with them. And we're really looking forward to it. If you can't be here to help, that's okay. We need the prayer warriors. We need the people to take these right here. You'll see them in your courier. And also this thing that I'm throwing off the stage. I need you. This is my request to you. Take as many of these as you would like. They're in the foyer. Go out into your neighborhoods. Invite the kids. You might not have little kids of your own. That's okay. There's kids who live by you, I promise. Go and deliver these to them. Invite them to come out. This could be their chance to understand what Jesus Christ has done for them. So I encourage you to do that. Also, if you stop in the foyer, maybe you can't be the hands and feet that are here that week. That's okay. We got something for you. These little yellow cards. We have some a wish list, if you will. And what you do is you stop at the table, you grab what you think you can bring. This says two boxes of granola cereal bars. Done. You sign your name at it, you take this as a reminder, you go down to the Giant Eagle today after church, you grab those boxes, and then you bring them back before July 27th. It's that easy. And we really appreciate your help with that. Also, we have our next movie night. Hopefully the sun is out, like today and we can have it on our big giant screen, but invite your family and your friends to come and enjoy movie night with us. That'll be the last Friday. Actually, it's the last day of VBS, so it's awesome. We can bring those kids back with their families and enjoy Lego Movie, which is a really fun movie if you haven't seen it yet. I encourage you to come. Let's see, one more thing. What do we have? I don't know, I think that's it. Is that it, Pastor? We're good. I get up here and I talk a mile a minute like Blossom's Friend 6, if you ever watch that show. I'm sorry. Anyways, I'm just excited because the sun's out. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here today. All right. What a great opportunity we have to be, to be the church. Amen? We are so thankful you're here today. I just loved hearing you sing to the Lord as we're worshiping His name, honoring Him, and you could just hear the congregation really connecting with God. We're thankful that you're here. At this time, we'd like to just uh, pause and worship the Lord in giving. You know, what a wonderful thing that God has given us. He's given us everything, amen? And when you think about that, He has given all this, and we get to give back to Him. It's our privilege to give to Him. So uh, we'd like to... Uh, ask you to stand with us as we receive the morning offering. And uh, if, you're, if you're our guest today, I want you to feel free to let that offering plate pass you by. Uh, this is for our regular attenders. We'd like to encourage you to worship the Lord today, though. And uh, as God has given of you and you're responding to His grace and growth in your life, this is an awesome opportunity to give. I know many give online, many give in many different ways, but today we're going to pause and just give to the Lord this morning. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, and it is a privilege, Lord. We count it a privilege to be here this morning, to step into your presence, to be with your people, Lord. You've, you've allowed us to gather, and we're just amazed that you've allowed us to gather together. Uh, we're amazed that you died on the cross, that you paid for our sin, that you came back to life again, that I might have a home in heaven, that I might have life, and a life that starts now and then goes forever with you, Lord. I'm just so thankful for that. And so, Lord, as our people have come together, your people, the people you've called to this place today, as we pause and we, we say, Lord, you are worthy, you are honorable, you are just, we pause and we give unto you now, Lord. We ask that you will bless this offering for eternity. Lord, use it to touch lives here locally in, in Finleyville, Pennsylvania, tri-state area, and around the world. God, I pray you'll be with our pastor, John. 
Arnold as he's away today, Lord, uh, as he's down in, uh, over in California with the, the wedding of his grandson. I pray that you'll be with him as he's out and about and their families they travel today. Thank you for this opportunity to give to you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. singing this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can head over to Acts 14. We'll be talking about standing strong. Thank you, Dan. And as, I, as I've been, you've been, we were watching the AD series, and uh, they kind of left you hanging, didn't they? If you were following at all, they, uh, they, they stopped at right about chapter 10 or 11, right in that area, and, uh, and they left you hanging. So you know what that means. There'll be a sequel next year. And, uh, or some year there'll be a sequel. They'll, we'll get to see the next part of it. 
But in church, I guess we could call this A.D. the series continues, right? Theirs was A.D. the Bible continues. So this is A.D. the series continues from the book of Acts. So we're just kind of following along the book of Acts. And today I want to talk to you about this thought of standing strong. What does it mean to stand strong? And when I think of these men and women in this book, there's one word that just comes to my mind, and that is bravery. Uh, when When you think of... When you think of bravery, a brave person is, is one who is able to face danger. By definition from Webster, it is one who is able to face danger or endure pain. So whenever you know that there's danger, you know that there's something that's tough you have to deal with, you know that there's imminent danger, bravery says, I'm going to proceed forward. I'm going to be able to deal with this. And, uh, and that's, that's the definition really of a hero. A hero is brave. You know, you look at all the heroes. We see, see people that we look at as heroes. Those are the people that are brave. They've gone out and they've done something big. Uh, modern day heroes in the, in the Christian faith, we would think of Amy Carmichael. Uh, we've read about Amy Carmichael, the great missionary. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How about Nate Saint and the four other men that were with him that went into the Alca Indians, into the uh, Ecuadorian jungle, and gave their lives. They were brave. They faced imminent danger, and they said, we're going because we know that God has called us to do this. And that is what I think of whenever I think of these men here, and these men and women here in the book of Acts, because they were really doing the work of God, and they were facing imminent danger, yet they stood strong. Um, we started out that Jesus dies on the cross down in Jerusalem. He dies on the cross. He pays for the sin of mankind. He pays for your sin on the cross that day. And you can have eternal life by placing your trust in Him. That is our message. That is what has changed the world. That Jesus died on the cross. And what even took it a step farther is when He rose again. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. He came back to life again. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. He's given us the power to conquer the things in our life that we need to be able to conquer. And because of him, I can stand strong. That's what happened with the early church. He took a group of men, a group of 12 guys, and said, I'm going to start a ministry. And they weren't the most learned people even. And he started a ministry with them. And they go on, and now we are part of that ministry 2,000 years later. We're part of the church. And yes, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we also have the church that is alive today because of Jesus Christ. And we come, we meet every week, not just to learn something, but to be the church, to, to interact and to engage with each other. Um, the, so the, the message started out in, in Jerusalem, and then it spread up to Antioch of Syria. And, uh, and that's where we left off. Antioch of Syria, last week we saw that Antioch of Syria is 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And that church was established there and it, and it took off like wildfire. And they began to be a sending church now. And so that sending church goes out and they're, they're sending out the word of the Lord. They're sending out missionaries. As we saw last week, they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. And they go forth and begin their first missionary journey. So I'm going to put up a map. You know, these are some of those maps. If you, if you have a Bible, when I was a, a, a kid, I had this Bible. And it's still, even in this Bible here, it has Paul's missionary journey maps. And I used to look at them. I get so confused. I see all these arrows everywhere. And, uh, and, and I just wanted you to see. So here, here's the movement of the gospel. It came up 300 miles to Antioch of Syria. And then it comes across out into, he goes, uh, if you read chapter 13, you see that he goes down to Seleucia, which is the port. And then from Seleucia, he goes out to, to Cyprus. And there's two cities that he stops there, Salamis and Paphos. And so they do ministry in those places. People come to God in these places. And then he gets on the, uh, uh, from Paphos out the outer end of Cyprus, takes a boat, goes out up there to the town of Perga, another port city. And then from the port, he goes all the way up to another city, you'll see, Antioch. That's Antioch of Pisidia. So there were multiple cities named Antioch in that day. And, um, and you'll see there, Antioch of Pisidia. And then we're going to follow on a little bit there. Chapter 13 is where we left them off last week at Antioch of Pisidia. And uh, just to give you a little background here, lead us up to where we're at today. Chapter 13, verse 42 says this. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. All right? 
And I think I have that verse on the screen there. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They went in, and their modus operandi was to go to the synagogue. And why did they go to the synagogue? These were Jews that had come to understand that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the one who saved them by grace on the cross that day. And so they went to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the first thing they did was they went to people who had an understanding of the Bible. It was only natural. The Jews had an understanding of the Old Testament. They understood that there was one God. They understood the Ten Commandments. They understood the law. And it was easy for Paul and Barnabas to show them that, hey, you have fallen short of God's law because they already had that basis. It was a premise. And so they would start there and then they would go out to the Gentile next. And look here, as they went and they began to do ministry in Antioch of Pisidia, they, uh, they, they had such great success with people listening and wanting to hear more, and they said that they begged them to come again next week. Now, that doesn't happen too often that people beg you, can we go just another hour? I'm just hoping I could hear a little bit more, right? And that's what happened. They were begging to hear this new message that Jesus Christ is the answer, that Jesus Christ is the one that broke the bears, that Jesus would be the one that could only one that could get them to God. Acts 13.43, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. So some men came to God. The news is spreading quickly about the liberating grace of God. And then the next Sabbath begin, uh, the next Sabbath, practically the whole town comes out. If you continue to read in chapter 13, you see that practically the whole town comes out. So all these Gentiles start flooding into the, into the synagogue. And it's like, oh, now we have a problem. Because the religious leaders are really upset at what's going on. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are teaching Jesus. That's the number one offense. Uh, when Jesus taught in the synagogues, he would go in, he would teach, he, would, he offended them. They, they, they wanted to take him, and they eventually took him on the cross. Um, and so he, there was persecution all along the way. The religious leaders are now mad with Paul and Barnabas. And look at Acts 13.51. Uh, it says basically, if you read the passage, it says that basically they were ran out of the town. Uh, this persecution is mounting up, and they get forced out of the town of Antioch of Pisidia. Verse 51, so they shook the dust off from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. Now, if that were me, and I were in a situation where, okay, I had this, you know, we, we started this missionary journey, and this was a really tough, we were in this city, I'd be saying, okay, maybe we need to slow down a little bit. And what does Paul and Barnabas do? They go on to the next town. They shake the dust off their feet. And this is a real, real thing that we need to learn to do today. If we're into a conversation, we're sharing about Jesus and we're not well received, shake the dust off our feet. Let's move on. Let's continue on. We can still be friends in our land. That's the great part here. I can still come back and carry on that conversation another time. But at this point, these guys were facing, hey, get out of town. They sh shook the dust off of their feet. Uh, verse 52 says, And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, do you notice that? From 51 to 52, they shook the dust off their feet and the believers were filled with joy. Persecution, they were, they were, they were tossed out of a town and the believers were saying, Oh, thank you, God, we were tossed out of a town. Oh, thank you, God, for the work that you're doing. And that is so opposite of how we tend to think today, isn't it? We tend to go, well, you know, life is hard and, and everything's changing around us and it's so hard. In the meantime, God is saying, look, I'm doing something and I want you to stand strong. Stand strong. Uh, you couldn't take away the joy of a believer. That, this is so important for us to remember. You may face some circumstances that are really trying. You may be trying to bring somebody to Christ and they, they, they frown upon your message. There are so many things that we're dealing with. We have, we're living in a changing world. The landscape of our culture is changing. But this is the sign of a true believer filled with joy. Joy and the Holy Spirit. That is going to make the difference. When we go out there and people say, hey, you were beat up. 
hey, this was tough on you. I see you're going through all these trials, and you're like, well, you know what? It was painful, but we're still here. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving forward. Uh, be bold in times of adversity. That's the first thought in your notes this morning. Be bold. Boldness in times of adversity. That is an important lesson for all of us. Because there are times that it's just so natural to back down whenever there, whenever there is time of adversity. F- chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke with a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, uh, both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. So here they went to the synagogue. That was their modus operandi, typical first thing that they do. So back to the map here. We're going to look at that map. We went from Antioch of Pisidia over to Iconium, about a 70-mile trip. Remember, they're traveling by foot. It's not like we travel today. 70 miles, we do that in an hour now. Uh, then that was a long trip. He makes his trip, and he goes over to Iconium, and the first thing he does, he goes into the synagogue, and he begins to preach the gospel, and uh, both of the Jews and the Greeks believed. What was happening at the synagogue, Jews would come, and then what was known as God-fearers. We saw that term also come up with Cornelius, a God-fearer. So somebody that was seeking and and had a desire. So that's where they were at. Now verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. The unbelieving Jews, so the the Jews that were were not accepting Jesus yet, began to stir up this problem. They began to stir up this poison, and they got the crowd, and they started to say, Hey, listen, I'm not so sure this is the right thing. I think, and they they started planting seeds of negativity, seeds of doubt, and they began to get the crowd to turn. This was not a time of religious tolerance for the Jews. Uh, you know, you can go at, uh, as Jews and just say, okay, well, I have my brand of Jew- Judaism and you have your brand of Judaism. Not like we think of our world today, is it? Uh, if you were a Jew, they went strictly by the book. And there, within there, there were people that went even stricter by the book. But there was a, there was a basic, basic. And they said, this Jesus, we're not accepting him. And so this new message was making great change in the land. And the same is true today. You know, when a religious person hears that they need God, somebody who is a devout person, okay, the, 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 Judea, the faith of Judaism, very devout. They had rituals, they had festivals, they had feasts, and they could accomplish great things. As they accomplished their, their outward signs, they were devout, but they didn't see their need for the Savior. And that's where the problem comes. And today, the same is true of many religious people. Somebody was just sharing with me a few, few days ago how that they, too, were in that position at one point in their life. They were religious. They went to church most of their life. They were faithful in church attendance. Uh, they did the, 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 the rituals of the church. They, they were, you know, whatever the church said, they made all the the right barriers at 12 years old, 15 years old, whatever. They did all the right things that they had to cross through to be successful in their church. And they were offended when somebody said, but do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? There was an offense because the gospel of Jesus brings offense to our good works. You see? Well, I'm good. I've done this. And this is what I do. Well, of course. How dare you ask me that question? And this person ended up coming to Christ because somebody stood strong, somebody had boldness to share with them that, hey, your religion is there to show you that you can't make it. See, Jesus came to to pick up the slack where you couldn't. Uh, You're not perfect. You can't fulfill the law of Moses. You can't fulfill God's law. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. And so the same happens today. And we have to, as we're sharing our faith with people, continue to remember that. Okay, so they may take offense. It's okay. We continue the conversation. We continue to come back. All right? Uh, Look at uh, Paul and Barnabas. They faced persecution. Uh, Verse 3 here. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done, by their hands. 
But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part sided with the apostles. And so here they are. They're 70 miles out to the new city. And, and the work is continuing on. Some have followed Christ. But listen, there is a now a big division that's happened. And the persecution is about to begin. It's about to continue on. Verse, verse, um, verse 5 says, When a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. So, at one point, it says that they stayed a while longer. They saw that these people needed Jesus. They saw that there was a need for the gospel to continue. But they stayed a while longer. Despite the persecution, despite the opposition, they stayed a while longer. And then God opens another door, and they go on to the next town. Look at what the Apostle Paul said here to his letter in the, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. He says that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not, um, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We have been struck down, but not destroyed. And I want you to think of the resiliency of those men. The Apostle Paul says, I am standing strong in the faith of God. From all areas around, listen, this has been hard. There's no way to cut it. This has been hard. We have been hard-pressed, but guess what? We're not crushed. We're still here. I get to preach the gospel tomorrow. I get to go out and tell my neighbors about Jesus. I get to continue on. Uh, we have been crushed. We're not crushed. We've been perplexed, but not in despair. We're not in despair. Yes, this has been hard. We've been beat up, but we are not in despair. We have been persecuted, but we have not been abandoned. The presence of the Almighty God was still upon him in the midst of the persecution. And that, I think, is the element that we tend to forget, that this persecution is okay. It's okay to be persecuted. It's okay to have adversity because the presence of the Lord is with us. And when we have the presence of the Lord, I love that. The Apostle Paul says, I have not been abandoned. Think about your situation in your life today. What is that hard setting that you are in, that hard place? You think there's a, an insurmountable um, situation that you are having a hard time with. God says, I am with you. You have not been abandoned. You have been struck down, but not destroyed. Persecution is a part of of following Christ. Acts chapter 14 verses 8 through 10 say this, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a, a, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Verse 14, uh, verse 11, and now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. The next thought in your notes this morning is this, to stand strong in times of acceptance. You know, there's times of adversity where it's, it, it, it's hard and you can feel it hard. But here they are, they're in another time and it's a time of acceptance. And in that time of acceptance, he still stands strong to the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, look, he says, don't worship us, worship God. And he, he's trying to t take this off of him. But isn't it so easy whenever things are going good that we kind of take the credit? Have you ever noticed that? It's so easy that, that we can take the credit. Things are going really well today. Well, yeah, well, that's because I read my Bible this morning, right? No, that's not why that's happening. It's not happening because you read your Bible. It's happening because the God of the universe is blessing you. That might have happened if you didn't read your Bible for a year. It's because the God of the universe is blessing you. It's not something that I've done that God has displayed this. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, look... In times of acceptance, stand strong to God. 
Stand strong to who he is. Verse 14, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. In that, he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. What was going on here? What was going on here? It's easy in the times of acceptance to relax, but they stood strong but I want you to notice something. In the other towns, the Apostle Paul went into the synagogue first. And he went to the people that had the basis of the Word of God and said, you understand the Ten Commandments, you fell short of them, you need the Savior. But in this situation, he, went to a, he didn't go into the synagogue first in this town. He went out to the people, and this was a pagan society. They were, this, this group of people in this area, they were polytheistic. They believed in many gods, and thus the, the, the whole thing about Zeus and Hermes. And, um, and, and what they did, the very first thing that he did was that he loved the needy. Look at what he did there in, uh, in verse 8. A certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, and he goes over and he heals him. And he, and he uh, gives him the ability to walk. Now, that was a miracle for sure. God did definitely a miracle. But I want you to realize that there was also this thought of love in action. Loving the needy. It was word and deed. It wasn't just a deed. And it wasn't just the word. As a matter of fact, if you look throughout, every time you see a miracle in the scripture, you'll see it's closely related with God's word. There's a message that God is doing. So he came along and he saw a man that had a need. This man was crippled and he had a need. And you know, the bottom line, why did he heal him? Yes, because he performed a miracle, but because he had a need. I look at Jesus. Jesus healed people. He fed people lunch. Why? Because they were hungry. He, fed, he healed people because they were sick. I, this, he met a need. And Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So our... Look at the, me the message here. These were people that were pagan who had no clue of God, who didn't understand the true and living God. They understood Hermes and Zeus. They didn't understand the true and living God. First thing he does is he goes in word and deed. And some churches are really strong on the word, and some churches are really strong on the deed. And God says we really need to be strong in both, in word and deed. And I want you to think today, we are in a, in a consumer society, aren't we? We live in a society that's, you know, we're driven by finances, we're driven by what's on sale next week in the store, right? And uh, whenever we, in our culture, in a consumer-based culture, do you know one of the ways that we meet the need is by giving to somebody? And I just go over and I meet somebody's need, and I, I'm able to, to do this. When I first moved into my house 20-some years ago, the neighbor next door to me, older lady, she came over, knocking on the door. She gave us a loaf of zucchini bread. I don't know if you've ever eaten zucchini bread, but it's a big deal in Finleyville. And especially from her freezer. I think she had about 40 loaves that were frozen. And I didn't know that, you know, and when I had a birthday, I got a loaf of zucchini bread from that neighbor. And uh, whenever there was something that happened in our, in our life, or she'd come over with a loaf of zucchini bread, okay? You know what she was doing? She was showing that she cared. And I thought, wow, here's somebody. And I wasn't even sure at that point where, if she knew God or not. She was doing something that cared. She had the deed. She understood the deed side of this thing. And I thought, well, you know what? I've gone to New York City, and I've shared my faith on the street, but I need to work on the deed side a little bit more. Because I live among these people that need Jesus. And I've got to go out and I've got to care. And when I see a need, I can meet a need. How about, uh, you know, whenever, whenever we give of ourselves, because we live in this world that says we all have what we have, you know? Who do you think of most of all in your finances, right? My family. 
have our needs met. And that's the way our culture is. But you know, when you go and do something and you surprise somebody and, and, and meet a need for them out of nowhere, do you realize the blessing that God pours out? There is a, an incredible thing, and I believe it's really a supernatural thing from God. He touches their life because our culture, we just don't do that. You know, if, uh, if you see somebody and you, and you just go up, how about at McDonald's, you just go over and, and you see that lady coming up there, she's got, you know, got her little kids, she's ordering Happy Meals and there's chicken nuggets flying everywhere, and you go to the cashier and you say, I'll take that check. Jesus, you're being Jesus to these people. And it's like, well, well wait a minute. Listen, it's a tremendous opportunity that we get to speak. And... I had a situation here just a few weeks ago talking about word and deed, okay? I was with a friend of mine. We were down here at Burgers and Dogs. And I was eating a salad. I was being good. And a lady who worked there, her friend came in and she said, I got a flat tire and I got to get to work. You know, and I'm, well, I have, we're eating. I got to get back. I got meetings. And you know what? We just looked at each other. And my friend said, we have to go out there, don't we? I said, you're right. We've got to go out there. So I went out there. And of course, I supervised. <laughs> and my friend was able to break the lug nuts loose. And after he pulled the tire off, I put it in the trunk for him. And you know, I ran into that lady yesterday. And she said, I remember. I know where your church is. You see, my deeds spoke loud so that she could hear my words and and I didn't bring it up to her she recognized me and says I haven't forgotten and I want you to know that's what happened here he healed this man and through love he met a need I understand there's a miracle don't let the miracle thing get in the way because we can't perform miracles you can perform love you can touch people's lives and change them for eternity by a loaf of zucchini bread, by changing a tire, by going and caring for somebody. And I, I don't know how that's going to happen in your life, but I know this. Those people didn't have the understanding and the knowledge of God. So the first thing they did was the love and deeds. The second thing, if you'll notice here, was that he identified the idols. He identified the idols. Yes, he loved, and that this created this whole thing. They came out, and they went on about the whole, about Hermes and Zeus. And that whole thing about Hermes and Zeus, that's, this is showing the Greek mythological gods here. And let me just give you a little background here. Fifty years before this moment that we're reading in Scripture here, a Latin poet named Ovid, he had narrated his metamorphoses in ancient, it was actually an ancient local legend. And he said basically this, that the supreme god Jupiter, the Greek term is Zeus, and Mercury, the Greek is Hermes, once visited the hill country right around that area. And, he just, and, and, and these two guys were disguised as mortal men. And in their cognito, in the, they sought hospitality. They sought somebody to care for them, just a place to stay, somebody to entertain them and, and give them a meal. And yet they could not find anybody and they went through the whole town and nobody was able to do that. And as the legend goes, eventually there was an elderly peasant couple and they took them in. And the elderly peasant couple entertained them, let them have a place to stay, fed them, and out of their poverty cared for them. And as the legend goes, as the legend goes, later the gods rewarded them, rewarded those people, but destroyed by flood the homes of everybody who didn't. And that was the local legend. These people believed in the Greek mythological gods. And so, here they are. They're shouting out Hermes and Zeus. You must be Hermes. You must be Zeus. And they're even given the... They're saying, well, the tall one's this one. The one who speaks is this one. And they're, they're connecting this and they're making this the, a big important factor here. But let's take it a step further today. Look at what verse 15 says. Men, why are you doing these things? Why also are men with the same nature as you preach the gospel uh, we are we are the men with the we also are men with the same nature as you and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living god who made the heaven the sea the the earth and all the things that are in them you should turn from these idols is what he's telling them he says 
you should turn from these useless things. Now I want you to think about this. The, the Greek mythological gods. They had all kind of gods. There was the god of love and romance. And so if you were, if you were seeking love and romance, you would worship the mythological god of love and romance. Um, if you were a farmer, you would worship the god of agriculture. If you were a merchant, you would worship the god of commerce. And uh, if you were a soldier, you would worship the god of war. And the list goes on and on. And basically what happened, when you worshipped in the Greek mythological gods, you were worshipping what you were into. And since there was no overarching god there, nothing, they didn't have one that was trumped at all, when you worshipped, you were actually worshipping commerce. You were actually worshipping agriculture and love and romance. And what Paul is saying here, he's saying that these things are dead. You notice he didn't even go and quote the Bible right away at this point. He did that when he went into the synagogues and he went to the people that had a basic understanding. Here, and John Stott notes this, and many other theologians notice this, was a change. It was a little shift because he's reaching people that didn't have the basic foundation. It's the opening. We're going wide to the Gentiles now. And he's going to get to all that, but his starting point was what they already knew. And he says, listen, my God, my God is bigger than these worthless things. These are worse, worthless things that you're consuming your life with. And I want you to think about that today in our life. Um, you know, we tend to get consumed with things that are worthless, don't we? I mean, right now, I am consumed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, if you have a ticket, I'll go tonight, 8 o'clock, right? We know all about it. Um, Andrew McCutcheon helped us get the big win in the 14th inning last night, right? All right, we've got a few, few others. We get consumed, but you know what? If I let that, and if I cons- allow that to consume me and I begin to worship the sport, it's out of order, isn't it? It's kind of fun. I enjoy it. It's fun. You've got to put it all in its proper place. But that's meaningless at the end of the day. You know, I've been thinking about the Pirates winning since 1979 when I was a kid. You know, I remember that. The World Series. It's worthless. It's fun. Put it in the right place. Don't worship it. Um, how, about, how about some other things that may be a little bit more serious? You know, whenever my kids were little, we spent a lot of time on the ball fields because I was coaching. And I would coach softball, and I loved softball uh, because I never got to play as a kid, so my kids got to play, you know. And I'm out there coaching, and, uh, and my wife's sitting in a chair in the outfield, and she's like, how much longer till this is over? And I'm saying, I... I'll take another game. Let's go. You know, I, I'm like looking, let's, let's go. Why? Because I kind of got into up. If I let that override my life, and I have some friends that, that I've talked to about this because they became so consumed with that, that if their kid didn't get that scholarship, if their kid didn't get this, if that didn't happen, they didn't know what they would do. And guess what? It fell short. It, the promises that that offered to them fell short. And what does Paul say here? Those are worthless things. Turn to the true and living God. Because he already created the earth. He gave you joy. He, gave, he, he fed the crops. He gave, he gave us the earth. And he goes right back to creation. And he takes them to the foundation of God. That God is already there in, in their life. Think about this today. What are the good things that we, tend to, that, we, that we tend to worship? Our career. Man, your career is going to sell you short. It really does. Uh, the careers are there and they're necessary. We have to work hard at them. But, you know, when, when that's our whole life, if we worship that, that becomes something that is empty, isn't it? At the end of the day, we look and we say, wow, I fell up short. How about love and romance? Think about this. If you're living for love and romance, you don't control your life. You're controlled by the people that you want to love you. If you're living for money, you don't control yourself. You're being controlled by a flow of cash. If you're living for power, you don't control yourself. You're being controlled by a potential of power or somebody else that has more power. You're always mastered by whatever it is that you live for. And Paul says here, my God, the true and living God, if you take him, he will satisfy you because these things are meaningless. And I want to encourage us as we go out into our community, let's love the needy. 
Let's stand strong, love the people. How can we meet the need? But also, how can we be bold and tell them that, listen, these things are empty. They really are. We live in a culture that's filled with empty things. If you want to find some empty things, just go home and turn on the TV. You'll find plenty of it. And the empty things are everywhere. And we, we can consume ourselves with whatever it is. And at the end of the day, God just wants our attention. If you'll give your life to Him, He gives you eternal life. And Paul's trying to get to that. He's trying to get to the deeper message, but the, the, it, it, it jumps up on him. The persecution jumps up on him. Number three is this. Stand strong even when you feel like quitting. Stand strong even when you feel like quitting. Verse 19, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there having persuaded the multitudes. So the Jews from those other cities that he was at, they've been on the hunt to find him. They find him and they persuade the multitude and then they stoned him. They took the big rocks and they threw it at him and they just bludgeoned him. Uh, and they dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead. So now he's been dragged out of the city. They think that he's dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed to, with Barnabas to Derby. Now, I want you to think about that. The next day. So he's bludgeoned. They think that he's dead. The disciples are around him, probably ready to pray over him and say, Paul was a good man. And God allows him to get up. And... His face is no doubt showing the scars. There's blood all over him. And he says, the next day, let's go. Don't quit. Stand strong when you feel like quitting. The darkest part of night is just before dawn. Don't quit. And that's what happened here. He, Paul is down for the count and he says, all right, let's go. I have breath. Let's go. Let's keep going. Verse 20, However, when the disciples gathered around, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So he goes and he makes the trip back to all these places to encourage the disciples. And he went and encouraged them. And verse 22 says, We must, through many... He gave them this exhortation. It, they encourage them to continue in their faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He's not saying here that if you suffer more, you'll get to heaven. He's saying, if you were going to be like Christ, you're going to suffer. He suffered. What makes you think that you won't? And we live in this culture today where everything's so easy and we, we kind of want this comfortable world. Well, God has not given us that promise of comfort. He's, as a matter of fact, given us the promise of persecution. I want you to think about a wheat, the wheat. For wheat, in order for it to be turned into bread, it must be crushed. For incense, in order for it to let off its fragrance, fragrance it must be burned. And for the earth, it must be plowed before a seed can be planted. And this is what God does in our life. We don't grow into Christ's likeness without hardship. And this is, he says, to expect it because you're going to grow. And so my admonition to you today is, are you standing strong in the faith? Are you standing strong when, when troubles come, when, when calamity happens in your family, when illness comes? Are you standing strong? Are you, are you going out to your neighbors and telling them about Jesus? You know, we, we have a, a little thing in your bulletin this morning. It's information on VBS. The reason we've been putting those in there is so that you would take those to somebody that has kids. Now, I don't have little kids anymore. Mine are college bound. But you know what I'm doing with these? I'm putting them in the hands of people that have little kids. And I'm out in the community and I'm telling them, hey, Come up to our church. You've got to check us out. You've got to check us out. And you know what? I'm seeing some of those people that I'm handing these to. They're checking us out. Uh, we have these other little cards. We'll hopefully pass them out as you leave today. This just has our service times. Take a couple of them. Have them on you. Uh, be bold. Uh, you know, when you leave a tip at the restaurant, I, you know, and leave a 20% tip, folks, okay? When you leave a tip at a restaurant, don't give them a dollar in a, in a gospel track. Give them a $10 in a gospel track. Make it worth their while because your deeds 
They will listen to your words. I talked to a waitress one time. She told me how many times the Christians came after church and never left the tip but left the gospel track. I said, that's really cool. And she was so turned off to that. Leave the tip and leave that. If you can't afford the tip, maybe we shouldn't be eating out anyhow, right? I go and I make this and I leave that there. And it's a way that God can use you. And so my wife, my wife is so good. She carries all the literature because I'm disorganized, right? So I'll say, Rhonda, where's the Steps to Peace with God book? Just one minute, she gets it and we leave it. And we've had some great discussions with, with waitresses, with, with people in our community, just over saying, hey, here's some good news. I'd like for you to think about this. But you know what that requires? It requires us to be a little bit brave. It requires us to stand strong. This church has come from a great heritage of people that stood strong. When I was a little kid, they came to my house and brought a bus. They knocked on our door. Today, nobody will even knock on your door. Somebody knocks on your door, you're frightened. They came, they knocked on our door and said, will you come to church? You know, I'm here because somebody was bold, because somebody stood strong. One of those guys we just buried a few weeks ago, Pete Peterson. Because he stood strong till the very end. His ministry changed. He didn't knock on doors till he was 70, but God had a ministry of different things all throughout his life. And so my encouragement, my admonition to you, is will you stay strong? Not are you enjoying the comfort of this thing because there's a little comfort. Are you staying strong? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I'd like to first of all offer you the gift of eternal life. Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross and he came back to life that you might have eternal life. All you have to do is open your heart and accept him by faith. And if that's you today, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And you just quietly pray this before the Lord. Just pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your glorious standard. But you died on a cross to pay for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I accept your free gift of eternal life. And others in this room today, maybe you need to respond to the Lord in stepping out and standing strong. Maybe you need to stand strong in your family. You're really good with, with people you don't know, but your, your family needs to see your love. Your family needs to see your love before they hear your words. Your neighbors need to hear that. They need to see it. Let us not abandon the word. Let us not abandon our deeds. Let us work together. Let's go out and help them see that this is really worthless. There's so many things that we give our life to that doesn't come up. It doesn't fulfill its promise. But Jesus does. And he doesn't promise you a life of easiness. He doesn't promise you a life of comfort. He promises you eternal life. And he promises you that joy like the disciples had. Who's on your mind this morning? Who do you need to invite for vacation Bible school? Who do you need to invite to church next Sunday? Who is it that God is just, just speaking to you and, and you need to just surrender and say, Okay, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to stand strong in your word. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I pray that you'll help each person in our church. Help us to be bold in our inviting. Help us to be bold in our prayer. Father, help us to go forward as we make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Help us to stand strong. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. Our Father, Creator, You mold our hearts together. There's no one higher than You. Redeemer, Defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us.